Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni, and John Favreau, as well as the rest of the team at Lucasfilm, have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host Brian Gaughan and I are recording this show on Sunday, July 10th, and... We are now less than two weeks out from San Diego Comic-Con, which is a big part of Brian and Mai's history. We used to meet up every year in San Diego, down there in Bill Stout's booth, and you were just saying that you were going over the schedule for this year's San Diego Comic-Con and had dug out the Star Wars panels? Right. Um, Sunday hasn't been... Let's see, maybe Sunday. Let me see if Sunday has been... Um... I have to admit, this made this is the thing that always made me a little bit crazy about Comic Con was two weeks out you find out where the panels were. Yeah. And they would drop them one day at a time. So this is two weeks out from the Sunday. Yeah, it just it just came out. Let's see if I have um Okay. I'm just gonna look because I have it everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, the 24th. Let's see if there's anything special. The interesting thing about Sunday at San Diego Comic Con is Everybody's got like one foot out the door. Yeah. At that point, you know, I mean, sometimes you get some really great panels on Sundays because people are exhausted. Yeah. And, and you can get into them and stuff like that. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. That's absolutely. But also, uh, what I love is when people are that tired after four and a half days of Comic Con. They will say things that maybe oh, they did not yeah. <laughs> intend to say. Oh, I've been to many of those. You get a far more entertaining panel on Sunday when people are exhausted and their filters are down. But anyway, so so we didn't see anything. Star not, Wars nothing on Sunday, but um, okay. Here's the the rest of the. There's nothing really big. They're mainly just um, panels of fans and stuff. Of course, you have Craig Miller, who I think goes to all of the Comic-Cons and WonderCons nowadays, and he's really interesting to see. If you Mm want to see somebody, you know, that really, you know, he was a president of the science fiction fan club, and they went to him and they go, listen, we need help. And he Mm -hmm. knew exactly how to sell it. He Mm -hmm. said, go to the cons. They went to Comic-Con. They went to... Worldcon. They went to another one where my friend Peter he saw the presentation, and him and his friends were like watching. Goes, we've never seen anything like this because because they were big science fiction fans and they had never seen a robot like that. They've never seen a villain like that. So they were first in line when mm-hmm. it it opened. They were in Westwood, so they went to the Afco the- Cinema. And they just, they couldn't believe, a matter of fact, they stayed in the bathroom (laughs) when they cleared out the theater so they could go see it again. Yeah, some of us in the early days of fandom (laughs) didn't necessarily behave. What do you mean? We still don't behave. Oh, this is true. Okay, so we got that, and then we got Lucasfilm Publishing which is mm-hmm. also on Friday. Those are always good to see because then mm-hmm. they, they talk about what's um, canon, what's not canon, and mm-hmm. um, that they have, even, I guess, Disney gives them the freedom to do non-canon stuff and stuff like okay. that. And then Hasbro, mm-hmm. you know, they're coming out with new stuff from the Black Series and the mm-hmm. Vintage Collection, which is really popular right now. Mm-hmm. So that should be fun. The Force of Star Wars Legion. This is also a Friday thing. It's Atomic Mass Games. I guess this mm-hmm. is a new... Um, oh, these are miniature games. 
So okay. those are fun to watch because or go to because they have the little metal figures and people paint them and stuff like that. And then the mm-hmm. 501 Legion, those guys are great. I always appreciate they come out, but at the same time, I'm always just, I feel so bad for them because they're in San Diego in July in that heat. And they typically do one of those amazing oh, photo yeah. ops there on the steps. And it's just sort of like, oh, you poor slobs. Thank you for coming out, but please don't get heat stroke. Do you have a grocery store out there called Smart and Final? We do not. Okay. Well, we do, and it's kind of like a warehouse place. And Mm -hmm. I went there one time, and I saw a guy putting stuff on the shelves, and he had a Star Wars mask on. So (laughs) we we started talking Star Wars. And he Mm -hmm. was part of the 501, and he is um, one of the black stormtroopers so i was driving away and he stopped me in my car Mm -hmm. and he gave me their coin their 501 coin to that they usually give to like kids that are sick Mm -hmm. and stuff like that not that i'm a sick kid but it it means so much to me because you know i love geeking my 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 kids they they get so embarrassed when i go to target and all of a sudden mm-hmm. i have a 5 minute conversation with somebody about obi-wan and they're like sitting there going i can't believe daddy's doing this to us did you do that to alice did alice <laughs> i spent most of my adult life when i'm out in public with my daughter typically apologizing after the fact like sorry okay you know on the other hand when alice really wants to get me in public you know we're at a disney park or that sort of thing she will like you know hang on jim hill of jim hill media i have to go into the store you know just sort of like (laughs) she will out me but again she loves to watch me cringe that's that's you know my daughter's joy yeah my my kids joy too so i'm looking forward to brianna going to ucla because i'm sure there's going to be very cringeworthy moments there um okay another one on friday is called law of the star wars underworld which i may go to that one okay uh, because it says from bounty hunters to powerful syndicates and smuggling runs the seedy criminal underworld of star wars isn't for the faint of heart you know they should do a a um series about the didn't they come within inch it would they weren't they i want to say 1313 wasn't there a show that they had in the was it it was called underworld but was it about the the criminals that was that was lucas's show that he wanted to do and he canceled it because it was too expensive but i mean i don't see why they can't you know go back to it because well it's it's interesting you bring you know things that George wanted to do and and got canceled because on the second half of today's show, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Detours, the show that George was working on with the the Robot Chicken guys, uh, Seth Green and and Matt Sandridge, right? Yes. And Brian's done a deep dive on that, and we're (laughs) going to use that as an excuse to talk about humor and Star Wars. But again, second half of today's show. And okay, let's press on. Okay, then there's another one um, that's going to be on at nine o'clock. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the Star Wars Samurai Universe, which you know when the the visions, um, yes, the stuff. Yes, and- it was so great that I do hope they go on with that because Sanjuro, Yojimbo, two of my favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. and I just love the whole things that they did with um, visions. And then Saturday at one o'clock is going to be the Mandalorian under the helmet. 
but I think it's more of a a psychological. Yeah, there's a psycholo- uh, a psychologist there, and they talk mm-hmm. about more of that part rather than um, there's nobody from the series there. Okay, uh, a quick note here though. It turns out there is a season two of Visions in the works. In oh, fact, excellent! Supposedly, that anime anthology will debut in the spring of 2023. So for those of us who really, really enjoyed the first one of those, and clearly Star Wars Samurai was a big, big chunk of that. uh, Yeah, can't wait to see that. There's also a way to watch them, too, because Mm -hmm. you watch them in the original Japanese Mm -hmm. with subtitles, and they're brilliant Mm -hmm. because that's the way they were made. Mm -hmm. Then, because they use such great... English actors for the dub, you watch Mm. the dub and you get two different versions of it, basically, because the way it's done with the dub is a lot different than the, I mean, not a lot different. I mean, there's subtle differences, but it is, it is different and they're both excellent. I mean, they're both, if one's a 10, the other one's a 10, but they, they add little things in the translation that... Mm. You know, because I, I forget what actors they use, but they use, you know, major um, voice actors and major A-list actors, too. Mm-hmm. And so I watch each of them twice because of that. And it was the way Devin, my son, he suggested I do that. And he was mm-hmm. right. So if you okay. if you mm-hmm. haven't seen them in the original Japanese, go back and see it, especially okay. the samurai one, because it works a lot differently. I will give that a shot. Okay, so uh, continuing I'm on sorry. with the. <laughs> okay. Oh no 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 no! Again, you know that. that face it, you know that. Stay the, on target. Folks, Stay on target. Okay, <laughs> costumes of Obi Wan Kenobi, which mm-hmm. would be um, which would be interesting to see because the the costumes were amazing for that, and that's mm-hmm. all I have for Saturday. I don't have a Sunday schedule yet, so um, it doesn't look like there's anything for Sunday, but who knows? It may change. If we jump ahead two weeks, you're actually going to be down in San Diego. In fact, you're, you're going to be helping Bill with his booth. Oh, right? yeah. We're going down there uh, Tuesday. Oof. Yeah. Okay. We get down there Tuesday because we're, he's 72, I'm 62. So mm-hmm. we need a little time to do it. And when we do Wednesday and then we have to do Wednesday night, we're exhausted mm-hmm. and hungry. So mm-hmm. what we do is we go down there Tuesday, we set up mm-hmm. Tuesday, then we come in, you know, after. Uh, you know, about three, four o'clock on Wednesday, we meet our friends and stuff like that. And then we go through Wednesday and then we go through the whole other four days. And it's just, it's wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. I guess we'll all be wearing masks again, which is okay. Yeah, I, I was just checking that in regard to the San Diego Convention Center. In fact, supposedly, not only to be able to enter the building, you're going to need to have a mask, but you're also going to have to have either your vaccination card with you, which has to be up to date, or proof of a COVID test yeah. within the last 72 hours. Yeah, I got to get my booster on um, next week, so I'm okay. I'm completely protected. There we go. Oh, by the way, uh, before we continue here, I want to remind people, we, oh. <laughs> we said Bill. We didn't. I mean, well, that, yeah. this is Bill Stout, the, the amazing illustrator guy who's worked on hundreds of your favorite films. And the dinosaur guy, is he doing a new sketchbook for this year? No, um, he didn't get What What happens is he's working on three books, uh, mm-hmm. three books, and they're all thick books, hardcover books of all his comic book stuff. 
Okay. And including, um, there's a, I think he did one of the Star Wars issues. He inked it. Mm-hmm. So um, he didn't get credit, but I mean, he did ink um, some of the Star Wars stuff. So he's working on these three books, which won't be out this year, but he will have, um, he's got playing cards that have a dinosaur on each card. And he's got a fanzine, but it's a thick book from Masters of the Universe, the the movie, when he... Um, production design the movie which is where i met him i'm actually in the book and oh. and sometimes people have me sign my picture i go really but something tied to george lucas you know his they're building his museum in los angeles yes they are they mm-hmm. just bought an original from bill oh. to put in the museum bill did a print of five paintings that he did of wizard of oz mm-hmm. and they bought the original Gilda, oh. and they're going to put that in his in the the museum. But they came to him and they asked him if he still had it, and he said yes. He wasn't going to sell it because it's one of his favorites. But of course, mm-hmm. George is a good friend of his, and George asked mm-hmm. for it, and he said sure. So now it's going to be in the museum. This is the Lucas Museum of Narrative Art. Do we have an opening on that yet? I heard twenty twenty three. But I went okay. over there and I looked at it, and oh my mm-hmm. gosh, it looks like a, a flying saucer just landed next to U, USC. But um, like I said, they just bought it, so I think they're putting in, I think some of the rooms and interiors are done. Mm-hmm. I'll look up that, and then our next, um, I'll do some research, I'll talk to Bill. That'll be great. And, That'll and be the great. next show, I'll have some. But I'm, I'm hoping that you'll be able to come out of here for the opening and then oh, no, maybe no, no, we can, absolutely. and maybe we can go, and maybe yeah. I can get. Um, I'll talk to Bill, and maybe he can, you know, because I know he's going to be at the grand opening. So maybe he'll okay. um, see if he can get us some um, passes, and we can go. Oh, that would be cool. That. And again, th- this is the, the the structure that's un- under construction right now in Los Angeles's Exposition Park. A lot of us have been waiting on this for a long oh, time, it's but a I, dream I, come I true. but I love. That Bill's Oz stuff yeah. is going to be part of this because that I mean, as a longtime Bill Stout fan, it's not just the dinosaurs, it's not just the monsters. I mean, his Oz stuff is just crazy. And in fact, haven't a lot of the folks who are writing the newer Oz books use Bill as like yeah the de facto when, you know, when de facto illustrator when yeah. Byron Priest was um, doing Oz books, Bill did the covers. Mm-hmm. Also, I think he's. Um, He's still doing. I think he's he's in touch with um, the bomb family, and he's doing some um, covers for them too. Also, he had this idea, but he's been so busy lately. But one day, I hope he gets to it. He wants to do a poster mm-hmm. of all the lands and characters of Oz, mm-hmm. and and it would it would just be wonderful. But he's been oh, and he's he's got a couple other things too. He did a. Well, I'll tell uh, you. Know, we'll talk about. Well, you know what? One day we'll get Bill and we'll mm-hmm. um, and we'll interview him, and he he can tell us all about. Like Absolutely. he was there for the whole first year of Star Wars, so he knows what was going on. He was there with Bill or with um, George and and mm-hmm. the guys, and and he's worked with Coppola and stuff. Like I'd like to know how much Coppola had to do with Star Wars too. I've never read much of that. Have you? 
it always tends to be the other way around. It's more about what did George have to do with Coppola versus what did Coppola have to do with yeah. George. And prior to Star Wars landing the way it did, I mean, Francis, to be honest, was kind of the 800-pound gorilla. I mean, once The Godfather hit the way it did, I mean, George had already obviously had THX at that point and likewise American Graffiti. But once Godfather hit the way it did, and, you know, of course, there was the immediate talk of The Godfather 2 and the ambitious plans for that. And even the conversation, which I think is one of Coppola's best movies, mm-hmm. with Harrison Ford. Yep, yep. Well, it, again, that you know, that's <laughs> half the fun of that world is just, you know, the fact that it was like the two of them passing casting notes back and forth. It's like, well, this guy's okay. Well, not only that, but they were casting Star mm-hmm. Wars at the same time Brian De Palma was casting Carrie. Yep. So there yeah. was um, what William Cat was almost was almost um, Luke Skywalker at one time. And wasn't Amy Irving? Yeah, in the run. Yeah. Oh yeah, because she was yeah. in. She was in the running for for that too. But I guess, mm-hmm. you know, when you're when you're casting with Brian De Palma, when yeah. Brian De Palma wants something, I mean, he's the mm-hmm. the really gruff New York guy, and George is a guy from Modesto, so he's kind of go, yeah. yeah, sure, you can have Amy. I'll take um, Princess. I'll, I'll take there Carrie. I'll take. There we go. You know, Debbie Reynolds. You you can you know have her, and I'll take Debbie Reynolds' daughter. There we go. There we go. All right, folks. Uh, <laughs> I know the show is mostly <laughs> underway at this point, but we're going to about to plunge into the really feral news segment here. But news portion of this week's episode of Looking at Lucasfilm is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, for a worry-free travel experience every time. Please book online with storybookdestinations.com. Now, you wanted to talk about the the rumors that are out there about Millie Bobby Brown? Yeah, I just I just heard about it. I guess um, the Mirror and the Sun they mm-hmm. reported in right before Volume Two came out that mm-hmm. she well see it was weird they weren't saying that she was in talks they mm-hmm. said that she and her father are mm-hmm. good friends of her father's her manager are good mm-hmm. friends of Kathleen Kennedy. And they were talking about how maybe Millie Bobby Brown could be in future mm-hmm. Star Wars mm-hmm. because she has the the actually the twelve to thirty range of mm-hmm. Q. What do they call that? The Q ratings or whatever. Oh yes, and yes, that, that, she mm-hmm. would bring in you know a lot of eyes, and they even announced that they said twelve million pounds. She could could be her payday. Ms. Brown has plenty of heat right now, especially on the heels of how well uh, season four of Stranger Things has done. And the idea would be that potentially Millie would be brought on board with Taika Waititi's uh, uh. Star Wars project, which The Hollywood Reporter is now saying uh, looks to maybe go before the cameras in early 2023 and you know I, I guess Disney is still hoping that the film could wrap and be ready for holiday 2023 and, and when I say holiday we're talking the week of Christmas rather than say Thanksgiving 
What I've been hearing is, remember, Taika Waititi wants to do something that is not tied to the Skywalker saga. That he wants to do a Star Wars movie that is outside of the, the Skywalker wheelhouse. And so the whole notion of the young girl who has the gift of the Force thing is like, didn't we just do that with Ray? Yeah. Given the character that Ms. Brown plays in the, the Stranger Things series, Eleven, uh, with her psychic ability, it's kind of like, didn't she already do this again? So they're having this conversation, uh, you know, especially supposedly about the first Star Wars theatrical film since Solo. Well, there's also um, Skeleton Crew. Well, yeah, yeah, there is Skeleton Crew. And remember, we we do have the uh, Jude Law plus several younger actors. Well, Well, have they they announced the actors yet? Or they just announced Jude Law because... I haven't heard anything more about what actors would be, and and if they want a young actor, she would be perfect for it. Well, now, here's the thing. Skeleton Crew supposedly began filming last month, all right? And, in fact, I, I wanted to make you aware of this because they shot a lot of Ahsoka at uh, Manhattan Beach Studios, which right. you mentioned you've been to. Oh, yeah. Also mentioned that there's also going to be work done on Skeleton Crew on an undisclosed location in Culver City, and also up at California State University in the Domingos Hills. That's not where your son is going to school. No, no, he's going to Santa Cruz. He's um, Santa Cruz. Okay. All right. So I know that would be kind of hoping. Just drive up and it's like, hey, dad's here to visit you. Let's wander (laughs) over that direction. Okay. Well, to answer your question, I think it may be a little late for Millie to join the cast of, of Skeleton Crew. Given the very Q rating you were talking about, it would seem to me that the Taika Waititi project, given her high profile right now, um, but at the same time, aren't the brothers supposed to be shooting the fifth and final season? Yeah, that's the thing. It's um, they're gonna. I hear it's gonna start later on this year, mm-hmm. and uh, and then they already have their next project afterwards. They're doing um, the Talisman. Finally, it's going to be done. I saw yeah. that. I saw so that. One of the kids was even reading the book in the Stranger Things. Oh, no. Yeah. So oh. I'm going, okay, there's got to be a reason why they put it in. And then they announced okay. that they're working with Steven Spielberg okay. to do it. Okay. But yeah, the last season is going to be before camera soon. So And they take mm-hmm. seven months to do it. Mm-hmm. It's a, a seven-month filming schedule. So I don't know if, if that could be... Well, it could be. If they said 2023, the end of 2023, then, yeah, who knows? Also, let's not forget about the fact that Patty Jenkins still has yep. her rogue squadron, I want to yeah. say. Yes. I guess what what I'm saying is I would love to see Ms. Brown in a Star Wars project. I just don't want to see her as Ray's younger sister yeah. or, you know, just somebody else who suddenly discovers they, they have the force, you know, just sort of like, you know, let's, let's do something different here. Let's, let's give Millie Brown, uh, Bobby Brown, a new challenge. Well, eh? Taika you know, has been of, known to change you know, up things. So I'm sure that he's Oh, got, very much so. But now if, if you can hang on for just a minute, uh, when we get back, uh, Brian and I will talk about Star Wars detours as well as, to be honest, just humor in general in regard to the Star Wars films.
before we get started here, I, I wanted to just take a, a second or two and talk about the stuff that came earlier. I mean, we remember Hardware Wars, right? Yeah. I mean, the 13-minute long film that it was affectionate, but half of its charm was it was as crude as it was. C-3PO was the Tin Woodsman. R2 was a, a canister vacuum cleaner. Chewie was basically a brown version of Cookie Monster. Yeah, I was able to show that. We showed that at the, the Balboa Cinema so for a week. So, because oh. um, it was only twenty minutes, so um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was, and it was also in sixteen. We had a sixteen projector, so we were able to show that. And mm -hmm. I think we showed it with a couple of those, you know, those exploitation film, the boob tube. That's what we showed mm -hmm. it with, wh there we which go. was a great, bizarre mm -hmm. movie. Yeah, but that sounds like a fun uh, double feature. It was very, very fun. Oh, and Kentucky Fried Movie. That's what we showed it with. Oh, geez. John Landis's first film. <laughs> What what is the film trailer in the middle of that Catholic schoolgirls in trouble? In trouble, I, yeah. And they, they had that shower scene, which I will not go. tend to forget for the rest of my life. I, I think of a lot of us who remember that. All right. I, I And I actually I tell you folks, one of the reasons that we decided to settle on humor as a topic for this week's Looking at Lucasfilm was, of course, the trailer for Clerks 3 just came out. For those of us who remember the original Kevin Smith Clerks from 94, what made that film fun? You know, well, for example, the Death Star contractors riff <laughs> in the film, which, by the way, they, they actually reference in the trailer for Clerks 3, only that they make the joke to the effect of, oh, I'm not doing that. I don't want to get sued by Disney, yeah. <laughs> which sort of opens the door to talking about Star Wars detours because, oddly enough, one of the reasons this isn't as well known, this animated series, as it, it obviously should be, has a lot to do with Disney. But, but uh, Brian, you prepped some material about this. Do you want to share? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. First of all, with Kevin Smith, just to mm -hmm. get a little bit, it, he puts a mm -hmm. Star Wars reference in all his movies. Of course, one of the, the best was Mallrats, when a silent Bob was trying to get the videotape and then, you know, mm -hmm. he uses the force to get it. <laughs> but because of what I, I saw, I was looking into comedy. Mm -hmm. And yep. if you think about it, the first mm -hmm. real comic thing mm -hmm. done in the Star Wars universe was probably the holiday special. Yeah. Inadvertently. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because I, I want us, as part of this feature segment, to, to talk a bit about Spaceballs. And, of oh, course, yes. Mel Brooks loved to use Harvey Corman in, again, I mean, he was in Blazing Saddles, he was in High Anxiety. I'm blanking, you know, where else Mel used Harvey. But that's the weird thing. I feel like the Harvey Corman stuff, and he's oh, in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, it's just, did you read this before they shot well, it? it started out as a dramatic story about Chewie's family waiting for him mm -hmm. to come back for life day and it's you know they were very sad and and you know they have stormtroopers coming in and it's very dram dramatic and it is mm -hmm. kind of funny though because the the set of their house it on the outside it looks like something designed a treehouse designed by Frank Lloyd Wright but but mm -hmm. inside it's all filled with IKEA furniture 
and and modern stuff and and then there's this bizarre you know video that the grandfather watches with mm-hmm. Diane Carroll Diane Carroll which is like soft corn <laughs> soft corn I mean it, 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 in much the same way that you that people of my generation can't forget the shower scene from Kentucky Fried Movie. <laughs> you know, to bury the needle in the exact opposite direction, you cannot forget the grandfather watching the Diane Carroll hologram thing. It's just sort of like, I, I may need to stop this for a moment and go shower. It, it, and not in a good way. Yeah. You know, just sort of, you do not feel comfortable watching that. And then to fill up the, it, it was, a, it was, Going to be shown for two hours on um, well, network. It's it an hour and forty-seven minutes. I'm sorry. Go on. I don't know. I, I, you're not wrong. As I understand it, initially it was supposed to be an hour, and then it was one of these things where CBS kept coming back and saying, "Hey, we'll give you two hours, or we'll give you ninety minutes. Hey, we'll give you two hours." You know, and so it was just this whole notion of okay. And remember, this is George during a period where he's still pull. You know, as much money as original Star Wars is will make when it's out in theaters. At the same time, George is determined to pay for Empire all by himself. Right. So it's a whole notion of okay, I'm getting a very large check from CBS, and now they're getting a larger check because it's oh, 90 minutes. Oh, even larger check for two hours. All right, sure, let's go. And it just took the eye off the ball in regard to quality control, especially with the, the comedy sketch portion. Well, of I don't think anybody from the Lucasfilm was involved in this at all because one of the writers, you, do you know who Bruce Valanche is? Oh, yes, yes. Can, you know, from, 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 uh, you know, and, no, that's it exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, one of Billy Crystal's go-to guys yeah. for the opening monologues that Billy used to do at the Academy Awards. Yeah, I mean, a great, great comedy writer. Hilarious, but, but he said he was on cocaine for much of this, this um, for writing this thing. And you can mm. kind of tell in some of the, the comedy mm. parts. But, but that's what, they force these comedy musical parts into mm. it. They have B. Arthur from Maud oh. and Golden Girls singing oh. a song based on the cantina yeah. Song, and about how everybody should go home, <laughs> right? Yeah, and right. then, and then, of course, mm-hmm. the best song in the whole movie or in the whole mm-hmm. show is when Carrie Fisher, as part of her contract to be mm-hmm. in the show, sings a song based on the fanfare at mm-hmm. the end of Star Wars about how we're all together for life day and we all should be you know happy and and stuff like that now she's a great singer she really is she is she was actually on broadway with her mom and irene yeah i mean it, it it's not it's, at this point is she a couple with paul simon i forget i don't know oh i should have should have looked no that no, up. no 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 i because i know there was wasn't there a period she was with dan Aykroyd and then I think after that she was married. She to Paul was married Simon to Paul Simon, yeah, yeah. But then, uh, then she had the some problem. But, but back to the no. the show, and then you see Mark Hamill, and his mm-hmm. hair is yellow, and mm-hmm. he has heavy makeup on because this was right after his accident, and um, he looks kind of like a a you know mannequin, 
And but but Harrison was pretty good in it. But again, Harrison had done a surprising amount of television before. Right. So he knew. Yeah. 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 You, you pull it in a little bit for for, for TV. But supposedly and... doing this was what he wanted. It was why he wanted to get out of his contract to be in any <laughs> Star Wars movies because this was so embarrassing for him. And it, it really is. I mean, you watch the whole thing and. You know, you basically think I will never get that hour and 47 minutes back in my life. I can't imagine. I mean, I did not. I don't think if I did, I forgot. I don't think I saw it when it first came on. But, you know, it's a train wreck. You have to watch it, right? You have to watch it once in your life. It is definitely one of those moments where, you know, you're coming up in a car accident and you cannot look away. But, <laughs> and Art um, Carney. It, I mean, I'm a big Art Carney fan. No, 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 but, no. Same thing here. I, in fact, I want to say in this, it's at least within this this window of time where he did uh, Harry and Tonto. And yeah, won, and won the Academy, Academy Award for it. Yeah. And then so, also, but the really thing that makes this special, though, mm-hmm. is the animated section that they have by Nirvana... Um, animation in Canada, who origi- who then went on to do Droids and Ewoks. Oh, I forget what the name of this section was, but it was basically the introduction of Boba Fett. It was, it was. But uh, speaking of animation, though, I... I yeah, we got to get I, to the... Um, so, so, yeah, I just wanted to say, that mm-hmm. started the... the, the uh, George likes humor. And mm-hmm. George would always... I'm sure that he loved the parodies. Um, there's a great parody on the Richard Pryor show where they mm-hmm. actually use the costumes mm-hmm. from the cantina scene, the Rick Baker aliens, mm-hmm. and he goes through the bar and he just riffs and it's brilliant. Some of my favorite bits from uh, Robot Chicken uh. were when <laughs> and George himself would turn up voicing George Lucas. In fact, that wonderful one where it's George at Comic-Con and you know, and steps out of the wrong elevator at the wrong time, and that this sort of sea of humanity comes running at him. And doesn't he? I, it's the nerd character. I'm yeah. Blanking. The nerd is base is um, dresses a tauntaun, so he go. tells George to jump on top, and they go. They escape from these guys, and they go on stage because George is now giving a speech, and then he. He puts his hands, you know, to introduce the the Tauntaun guy. And he, you know, now he is the greatest person on the planet. And he bows. Yeah, it was, it's beautiful. And then he goes, I think he goes to a psychologist in one of them. And he talks about how much he hates the holiday special. And in fact, as I understand it, this is what sort of the the impetus for, for Star Wars uh, detours that that George right. again loved the work that the guys at Robot Chicken were doing. But the guys in Robot Chicken they were doing it for adults, and they, they were, were making it for fans of it. So one of mm-hmm. the best gags in the whole thing is when Palpatine picks up the mm-hmm. phone and it's Darth Vader telling oh, him that the God. Death Star has yeah. been blown up. He goes, "What by a bunch of teenagers?" He goes, he goes, how am I going to get funding to build another one? That's Seth MacFarlane who's doing The Emperor. And uh, no, seriously, folks, if you have not seen this particular bit, again, it is such a wonderful piece of material. It just, it totally delivers the goods. But but all the little vignettes, they're very funny and they're very, Mm. but then, okay, so because this did so well, 
George went to them, I think in like 2007, but he didn't announce it. I think he, he kind of hinted at it. And then at the Star Wars Celebration 6 in 2012, they had a panel. They did. But, you know, George had so enjoyed working with Seth Green and Matthew Sandridge on the Star Wars stuff for Robot Chicken. It's like, you know, they, they began talking about you know, doing something together and the folks at Robot Chicken, frankly, wanted to diversify from stop motion. So the notion was, let's do something CG. So timeline that has been explained to me is started development in 2009, formally okay. announced this was coming forward in 2010. And then, as you mentioned, there was a Star Wars Celebration 6 in August of 2012, where they did have a panel, they did show, and, and that's the other thing people need to understand. This wasn't a small effort. There were 39 episodes of this show produced, two full seasons. They were already well in development of season three, which was going to feature a completely musical episode. In fact, I want to say Weird Al Yankovic, who did some voice work, for the show was involved in developing oh, cool. the, you know, the songs for that. But then in October of that same year of, of Celebration 6, 2012, that's when the Walt Disney Company acquires Lucasfilm for $4 billion. And they'd announced it. It had a home. It was going to was it? It was going to show up on the Sci-Fi Channel. Wasn't that the plan? Or Didn't Universal own the Sci-Fi Channel at the time? I think I they did. I want to say yes. And in fact, the Sci-Fi Channel, just the year before they began development on uh, Star Wars Detours, is when Spaceballs, the animated series, oh, ran on Sci-Fi. Right. <laughs> did you ever see any of those? Or I saw one of them. <laughs> see, I, I wasn't crazy about the... Uh, I love Mel Brooks, and I think he's done the best parody movies ever. Blazing Saddles was more of a tribute than a parody film, and so was, mm-hmm. uh, so was Young, Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. But his other parody films, he would star in them, and mm-hmm. then it would be a Mel Brooks starring film. And he's always better in the background. So I, I wouldn't, like, like um, what's the film? High Anxiety. <sighs> if, he w- if he got somebody who was a Jimmy Stewart or a... Cary Grant, it would have worked a lot better. I am so glad you brought up High Anxiety because I actually put Spaceballs and High Anxiety on the same level. I mean, I, I think if you go through High Anxiety, there are like five or six genuinely brilliant Alfred Hitchcock jokes. Yes. And Cloris Leachman is fun. But then there's another 90 minutes of movie. And yes, Mel Brooks is not necessarily the best actor in a Mel Brooks movie. You know, if we jump ahead now to Spaceballs, I remember Billy Crystal did an interview in Playboy magazine, March of 88, and this was right after the original Spaceballs had come out. That It had come out the summer of 87. And Billy was talking about, I mean, these are two kids who grew up revering Mel Brooks. I mean, again, Rob Reiner is Carl Reiner's son, and Carl and, and Mel did the 2,000-year-old man together. So it's like, and you know, and they used to do that at the Reiner house. So Rob would sit there and watch Mel Brooks's genius from two feet away. But Billy Crystal actually talked about how he and, and Rob went to go see 
Spaceballs in theaters and they walked out and it's like melded the cardinal sin of comedy that his timing was off. Oh, okay. You know, it's just like it came out the summer of 87 <laughs> and Return of the Jedi had come out in 83. And it's like, wow, you're making fun of something that's four years old. Oh my God, Mel, come on. You know, it's not like they're going to make Star Wars things over and over and over again. You know, it's like, you know, just uh, they <laughs> thought it, it was this out of date parody. Also, Airplane had come out in the summer of 1980 and kind of cinematic taste in parody changed because of that movie. Yeah. Suddenly it wasn't, you know, I know this is a funny movie because it's got Harvey Corman in it. You know, it's like, this is a funny movie because now I've got Leslie Nielsen or Lloyd Bridges or Robert Stack who are being straighter than straight. And well, that's what yeah. makes it funny. And that Mel Brooks films, they work on visual comedy for the most yeah. part. And yeah. the airplane movies were mm -hmm. play. You know, um, mixing up like I like coffee, like my men, black, you there know, we stuff go. like that. There we go. It, mm -hmm. it it was a it was a whole different idea of parody, and then and then Mel Brooks tried to do that that one film where he was the businessman. I forget. Oh what the no, name no, was. no 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 no! Life stinks. Life stinks. And the movie stinks. That we're not going to talk about. But again, that. it could have been a good idea if it if it was maybe um, Eddie Murphy as the main character. I mean, because that kind of worked in trading places. Yeah, I don't know. I am so happy for what happened to Mel Brooks's career with uh, when the producers opened on Broadway. Yeah. And that, you know, it's after years of, frankly, bad films yeah. like Dracula, Dead and Loving It. Oh, my God. Stuff like that. It was just so nice to see a funny, a genuinely funny Mel Brooks thing as opposed to a painfully unfunny. And in a lot of ways, that's the problem with Spaceballs. There are, you know, don't get me wrong, he, he made some really smart choices in that, you know, for example, bringing in John Candy and Rick Moranis. And I would argue yeah. Rick Moranis is the utility player. Absolutely. But Bill Pullman was really good too because he was the straight man. Have you seen the the vignettes that Max Brooks did with his dad during the lockdown. I have seen the one or two where it's Max standing outside of his dad's yeah, house. Yeah, his dad you know, behind the glass. <laughs> behind the glass, Some yeah. of the most brilliantly touching, mm -hmm. funny things you have ever mm -hmm. seen. And here's a here's a, a guy, Max. He's brilliant in his own doing the oh, zombie yeah, I don't stuff. Know. And I mean, World could War you Z, imagine yeah. being mm -hmm. the offspring of two of the most incredible people on the planet that should not have been together, yep, yet yep. yet your mom is Mrs. Robinson and your dad is mm. possibly the funniest man on the planet, and you're I think he was the only son, wasn't he? I want to say yes, though. But did you ever hear the story of how Mel Brooks and uh, Anne Bancroft met? Oh yeah. She was auditioning for Funny Girl. I guess she was on stage singing a Fanny Bryce song. And Mel you know, wandered into the theater because uh, I guess that, that he was doing some work for Broadway shows at the time. And they were considering him to, to help fix the book for Funny Girl. And I think she was singing Bryce's song, Married, I Can Always Get. And... And Mel, you know, as soon as she finished singing, he like bounded down the aisle and was up on stage. And I was like, hi, I'm Mel Brooks. You're wonderful. No, I didn't hear that one. I heard that they met um, at a another audition or something, but mm -hmm. I didn't hear that one. But that makes more sense. Mm -hmm. And and that she, 
I, I, I don't know. I just think that she's the most wonderful, and then he... Oh, no, just, no, they, I would they have were just loved to have been a fly pair. on the wall. Because oh, no, I no, think no, that she, she basically didn't stop laughing. I mean, mm-hmm. even when they did the film together, which wasn't the greatest, but it was okay. The well, no, it's from better. this same period. The, the, to be the, or not the, to, to be. To be or not to yeah. be, yeah. Again, yeah. I, I see what he wanted to do. But then he brought his wife into it. Now you got a film... And then, yeah. and you can tell she's cracking mm. up. Yeah. She's trying not to just bust mm. out because, yeah. you know, they had that great relationship. But let's get back to detours. I do want to just pause for a moment. One last thing about Spaceballs that came out, cost $25 million. And a lot of that was because this was Bell's first really big effects picture. Oh, I didn't know that. And did not make as much money, no. uh, you know. Uh, and, but the interesting thing is they had a plan for a Spaceballs sequel oh. that to this day I think is the greatest title in the history of man. Okay. You know, in, in fact, I was really hoping when they announced the animated series, uh, and by the way, that project came about because of the success of the producers on Broadway. It was suddenly everybody wanted to be in the Mel Brooks business, and he was like, hey, you know, I've always wanted to do, you know, revisit Spaceballs. But he had this idea for a sequel Here's the title. Spaceballs 3, The Search for Spaceballs 2. <laughs> it was literally going to be a satire about sequels. Okay, that would have worked. See, now, I question that. I, I think that sounds like a really fun five-minute-long sketch. Because, again, so supposedly the conceit was they were going to constantly reference a movie that the audience had never seen. Oh, that's a that is pretty. But see, they could do that with anything. They could do that with a an action film. They could do that with a disaster film. They could do it with a, a, ro- a rom-com. That would be a brilliant idea to do to, on a stage play. That would be great. Yeah, I don't know. You see, that's the thing. I, I love that premise. I really do. I just don't know if you can get 90 minutes out of that. Yeah. And face it, I, I think as we all learned from Airplane 2, that, you know, particularly yeah. with a parody, when you go back to do a sequel of a parody and it's like, you know, I mean, it, it, it's hard to pull off. Anyway, we were talking about detours and again, how detours itself got detoured in uh, October of 2012 once Disney bought Lucasfilm. And as it was explained to me, the thinking in house at Disney was like, we look, we just paid $4 billion for these characters and these stories. And I don't know if we want to have a, an animated series that really makes fun of the Star Wars world and these characters being the very first thing that comes out the door before we get, you know, and, and it, remember, they talked right off the bat about, hey, we're going to get a new Star Wars theatrical film going and we're going to explore the idea of doing stuff on television. And But the Detours was put on pause and never really came off pause, right? No, it, it didn't. I can, I can just imagine, first of all, you can see um, little vignettes on mm-hmm. YouTube, but the animation... It was at the time. It was very stylized. Mm-hmm. It was like Jimmy Neutron, you know, big yes. heads, small bodies, very much. Mm-hmm. and and that was part of their comedy too. The way the characters looked, and then mm-hmm. they had Chewbacca, mm-hmm. who I I don't understand 
the character, the design at all, because it, it looked very phallic. Mm-hmm. And it just it just took away from the comedy of the whole thing. But then they made a lot of the characters not like they were in the movie. And to see that oh, no, that no. was the funny thing about Robot Chicken is all mm-hmm. the characters, if mm-hmm. they did funny things, it was in character. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then you had you had Obi Wan who would go to a convention and mm-hmm. trying to pick up chicks by using the Force. Or you would have, or he'd be like gambling to have money, you know, to mm-hmm. to to live off. And then you had the mean girl of Leia, Princess Leia. She's a mean girl with with hair buns that are bigger than her head. And mm-hmm. and then you had Han Solo, who is basically mm-hmm. Han Solo. He his character mm-hmm. was basically the same, mm-hmm. but it was just there was a lot of cringe worthy stuff in it but it wasn't made for my kind of audience it was made for kids and they would have loved it except do you get that there's an old man a a lecherous old man i mean it and and i think disney did not want kids to be introduced to the characters this way and 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 because they were going to bring back the movies in the theaters and stuff like that because then it would confuse them, which it definitely would. Because now you see Princess Leia, she could be a, a mean girl at your high school, but now she's this princess who is now helping the, the you know, go against the Empire. So that could be a little bit confusing. And I don't know if the humor comes across. Prior to this, we had the family guy... Star Wars right, parodies, Blue Harvest which again, and stuff like that. D- that's it, exactly. And Lucas was very, very much on board. Yes. I mean, for example, the lecherous old book, a man who lives down the street who's constantly trying to get his hands on Chris, you know, is cast in those as Obi-Wan Kenobi. But that was Family Guy characters, though. It was not the characters oh, well, no, from no. the movie. But, but see, here's the thing. George was comfortable enough... With, you know, to the effect of what the folks at Fox were going to do with these shows, you know, to the effect, sure, absolutely, you can do that. You know, I, I have no problem with what you're doing there. And so if you, you take that that's representative of George Lucas's sense of humor, the fact that what they did with Detour, you know, they, the very thing you were talking about, Obi-Wan Kenobi is a guy, on, you know, on the make at conventions. <laughs> so Detours is basically put on ice. And we have to wait then till 2014 for the first Star Wars parody to come out under the new Disney management. And that's, of course, uh, the Phineas and Ferb episode. May the Ferb be with you. And I have to tell you from conversations that I've had with Dan Povenmire and Jeff Swampy Marsh, the creators of, of Phineas and Ferb, they said that Kathleen Kennedy and the team at Lucasfilm, after it was owned by Disney, were a dream. I mean, it was just one of these things where we love the show Phineas and Ferb. We see Darf Doofenshmirtz, you know, what you're looking to do there. And the whole no- notion that Phineas and Ferb live like one moisture farm over from Luke. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, no, absolutely, have fun with it. But they did have fun with it. They It mm-hmm. wasn't mean. It was a tribute. No. I mean, the Family Guy stuff, there was just some mm-hmm. stuff. I Even I watch it, my eyes bleed. But still, with this, <laughs> it was... It was very sweet, and it was in the Phineas Ferb, their vibe. It was it was in that. 
I get what you're saying about Family Guy, but I will still stand by and applaud Blue Harvest for the couch gag. Yeah. <laughs> Just the notion of the, in the middle of trying to escape the death, sir. It's like, well, there's a perfectly good couch here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like Peter as uh, Han Solo and Brian as Chewbacca. And they get, no, t- yeah. tilt it, tilt it. And sometimes one gag will redeem a show. Yes, and, I and, agree with that. And I, I, I say that having watched all of the Star Wars Holiday Special, and that gag isn't in there. No. All right, that's not there. Whereas I, the thing with Star Wars Detours, I think the very thing you were talking about, we've all never seen a full episode of this. We've only seen individual sketches or yeah, two and three okay. minute long segments. And I just wonder if taken out of context, they don't work. But on the other hand, if, the, if it were a half hour long episode, and remember, supposedly 39 of these exist, Brian, somewhere yeah, in the Disney vault. I don't know. I think George had an ulterior motive. Just like mm-hmm. scorched earth, make people hate <laughs> hate Star Wars so much that they'll never ask him again. Are you going to do sequels? <sighs> you know what are the I, best parodies right now, though? What? Are the Lego movies. Oh, yeah. They that, that. are brilliant. Mm-hmm. I just, wa- I mean, I've been watching them, but the terrifying tales, Yeah, basically it's it's a takeoff of A Treehouse of Horror, and it is brilliant. I'm a huge Dana Snyder fan. Yeah. You know, that that from uh, Aquatine Hunger Force, and, and likewise, by the way, that the first season of The Ghost of Molly McGee just ended great final episode for the first season. But it's worth it alone to watch the terrifying tales for that moment. I want to say Dana voices one of the huts, you know, who's <laughs> trying to build a casino. A casino out of the out of Darth Vader's uh, palace. There we yeah. go. And there's a great moment when they've gone inside the building and, and the villain says something and there's a flash of lightning and, and Dana's Java character is like, did, did the lightning just flash inside the building? It's a wonderful, wonderful bit. And, you, and you're not wrong. And in fact, I remember we've got our, our summer vacation. Oh, I can't Star wait Wars. to see how they, what they do with that. But again, yeah. they, they, the characters are their own characters. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, in the the holiday, the Lego holiday special, uh, mm-hmm. it was it was wonderful. You had, you know, the the time travel thing. You had mm-hmm. three Darth Vaders in one in one yep. time, and and just the little changes that that each character would have because they're from a different time. And then mm-hmm. you had a the Ray, and they even brought in the Carrie Russell character and and it was just it was very it was it was a neat tribute to well see I thought there you go that's the right word it was smart it was affectionate and it was funny and if you're a fan of the films it it hit that sweet spot you know it it was just knowing enough of the world and, and just tweaked it a little bit but no, all great fun, and and hopefully those will continue the Lego Star Wars things. But yeah, we're we're kind of in an interesting space now, in regard to to Star Wars and humor. That that said, on the other hand, every time Amy Sedaris shows up in oh, you know the Mandalorian man. or the Book of Boba Fett, you know it's just sort of like oh, a wonderfully funny character, but. Because she's so authentic, she, because yeah. she's so real. She is very real. 
Yeah, yeah, she's. I've been a big fan of David and her for a long time. Oh, and when yeah. I saw her, I just first of all, I couldn't believe that they would put her in something like that. Then I realized, of course, they're going to put her in something like this because they want mm-hmm. to be different. And she just adds so much to it. And and but talk about humor, though. I mean, uh, maybe we could. This is a whole a story too. Mm-hmm. The solo movie. Which would yeah. have probably been one of the funniest things, but they just got scared. See, if Solo came out after Mandalorian did, I could guarantee you, or if Solo came out as a TV show, I can guarantee you it would be a hit. A 100% hit. With Lord and Miller doing it. Because they they bring something that we don't know we want until we see it. The Lego movie, oh, no, 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 no. how great yeah. was the Lego movie? And Lego Batman. I mean, I don't know. Did they do Lego Batman or did they just... They, they were, were definitely involved okay. in, in... No, definitely involved in that. And that is one of the great what-ifs out there. And, you know, I would love to see all... 39 episodes of, of Star Wars yeah, to I, see I probably if they work in context. It. But conversely, I would also love to see whatever footage there is out there for Chris Lord and Peter Miller's or, you know, take or, on... Or a script. I would love to see yeah. a script. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure it went a, a whole different direction than than what we saw. I mean, not saying anything. I like the movie. And, and I liked um, everything about it, and I want to see a sequel or a, a TV show. And I'm, I'm hoping they don't bury it. I'm hoping they, they realize that they, they have something, not so much with Star Wars, but they have something with Disney+. Plus. Yeah, again, we keep hearing rumors about the, the Lando limited series that, that would God. expand, you know. Uh, but again, you know, that, that's the thing. We are... You know, we're in this weird space now where everyone's looking at what Marvel is doing, being able to toggle back and forth between its limited series on Disney Plus and the films that are being released theatrically and the storytelling opportunities there. And I, I, I've been hearing that the folks at Lucasfilm might want to dabble in that, but that all, that involves conversations yeah. with Taika Waititi and... And Patty Jenkins, the effect of, hey, we're going to be doing this, and is there anything that, you know, could we maybe do a tie between, you know, what we're doing with Ahsoka? Well, both uh, of them, though, I mean, both Marvel and and Lucasfilm, I have been blown away by the series, but Marvel, WandaVision, when you saw it, oh my God, best thing on television, mm -hmm. and then Falcon and... And oh, the Winter, the Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. Oh my God, best thing on television. And then the next one, best thing on television. But Ms. Marvel <laughs> yeah. is the best thing on ever done. I mean, it is brilliant. I, I, I feel good after I see it. You are preaching to the choir here. In fact, that yes, the very thing you were saying. I'm getting tired of of saying after each Marvel limited series is complete, it's, it's yeah. excellent. I you know how could they top themselves, and then they top themselves. And I did and not Ms. think Marvel's, Ms. Marvel was going to be. I don't know. Yeah, no. it, it just it didn't appeal to me. But the first episode, I got misty eyed, and then oh. the last episode. Even mm -hmm. Devin is like going, really, Dad? You're crying? What? 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 It's it's sad, but it's not that sad. Well, I'm going, no, it's it just, very sad. It's sad. Well, but uh, Milan, Milan Villani has done, done such an amazing job, and for such 
a young kid to be this good. And and more yeah. to the point, to surround her with the the strong cast oh that they have. Oh my gosh, the the girlfriend, the uh, the one, and and she's a Disney star, and mm-hmm. you know somebody had to say, well, we got to put her in because she's a, she is amazing in her little, you know that because she is the other part mm-hmm. of she's like you know the Jiminy Cricket to her, you know you're still Muslim, you still have mm-hmm. to you know follow you know, these things, but maybe not. And, and so it's, it's, and the brother, the brother is amazing. His character is just, and then the, the, the mom and dad and everything about that is just, there's nothing about it that you say, well, you know, that wouldn't happen in real life. And it, you know, the controversy about it, I I don't know if they're still upset about the whole gin thing, but to me it works. Wonderful casting, strong writing, amazing production. Design. Oh my god! I the budget on this has got to be. I mean, it is the only. I mean, I've seen a lot of comic cons. You know, mm-hmm. pretending to be comic cons in movies. This mm-hmm. is the best con I've <laughs> I, ever I, I, seen. They came close. I mean, at the same time, you know, there were those, well, we got a dollar forty-five. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, that they, they did the best they could. I'll give them that. And when you look at like that gone with the wind shot that ended oh, uh, episode four. My. Or or Passage of India. Uh, uh, yeah, or or yeah. even um what's the other David Lean film? Dr. Shivago, it was all there. You know, Lawrence yeah. of Arabia, it was all there. And you're just yeah. watching going, this is a David Lean, this is a David Lean shot. I've never seen anything like this outside of a David Lean movie. And Devin and I were going, was this CG? Were these people CG? Were they all extras? Because what they did with Moon Knight, when they did the Egypt thing, they had... Yeah just about 100 people, and they mixed them all over the place. This was yep. thousands. It looked like, looked like. All right, folks, and, and forgive me for doing this, but but again, we're talking <laughs> David Lean, Dr. Zhivago, which, by the still way, is Sir Alec Guinness starting at There we go. We got it back to uh, Alec Guinness. So technically, we're Star Wars. Okay. And uh, on that note, folks, uh, <laughs> I think Brian and I are going to shut down this week's episode, but... Remember, lots of great Star Wars stuff coming over the horizon. By the way, on hopefully on our next show, uh, Ryan and I will be able to get access to Light and Magic, which starts uh, tail end of this month, July 27th, I want to say. And uh, Drew Taylor was just telling me he's, he's had the opportunity to view a couple episodes and just says flat out amazing history of ILM. But, but hopefully we'll get to talk more about that on upcoming episodes. And also Comic-Con. And also Comic-Con, which Brian will be there right yeah. here and hopefully be able to report back on some of the panels we were talking about at the top of the show. With 175,000 of my best friends. There we go. All of them masked up and all of them vaccinated. Okay. So, all right. Anyway, uh, Brian, in the meantime, where can folks find you online? You can find me online at Geek with Children, and children is spelled C H I. L-D-R-N, and that's on Twitter. And I don't put a lot of stuff up recently, but when I go to Comic-Con, they will be there will be a lot of stuff up there. I, I'll be doing stuff. You know, people come to Bill's booth, you know, the, the cosplay there. I'll go mm-hmm. over to the, the Star Wars and, and take like... Have we... New, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. 
Go on. Well, no, no, no. I just, you have that one absolutely amazing story about, was it the, the special edition of Comic-Con? The, the gentleman who came by the booths? Yes. We can were, can we you were, tell that story? It was Sunday morning, and mm-hmm. we were all sitting there. Um, we all, meaning, uh, Bill. it was special edition, so Bill didn't have his regular two booths. He just had a table. Mm-hmm. And he did right. very well, and he was selling, and there weren't a lot of people there. And his mm-hmm. the person who was in charge of him, you know, we would bring him to his his uh, uh, panels and stuff. She was standing mm-hmm. there, and then uh, the rest of the the people around us, they were all science fiction writers selling mm-hmm. their books or artists. Mm-hmm. And it was, right. and we all became friends because that's what mm-hmm. you do, of course. So this guy comes up, and he's kind of dressed. Well, like a like a Comic Con guy, and yep. he had you could see his gray hair outside his mask, and you know he had a beard on, and he was he was very vibrant. He was very um, you know when he would talk, he would work with his hands a lot, and I knew he had to be some kind of actor because of mm-hmm. course I mean that's I've been around actors so much, but he was a fan of Bill's, right? And he sat there for maybe a half an hour, at least 20 minutes, and he talked to Bill, and we all kind of just let him talk to Bill because that's what I do because there are people who come from everywhere to see Bill, and they don't oh, yeah. want and they don't want you know Bill's assistant to be in the way. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'll get up and I'll walk away, and they'll get to sit in the seat. Mm-hmm. But he's showing Bill his he's doing this animated thing with puppets, and mm-hmm. he's saying somebody built the set for me, but I'm doing the animation. And mm-hmm. but I didn't recognize his voice. I didn't recognize who it was. Mm-hmm. So he is. You could tell that he's very happy because he got to mm-hmm. talk to Bill because right. you know. Everybody who's a geek is a fan of Bill, knows who Bill did for one reason or another, Mm -hmm. William Stout. So he walks away, and Bill turns to me very nonchalantly. He goes, did you know who that was? I go, no. Was he an actor, someone you know that you worked with? He goes, it was Mark Hamill. (laughs) I'm going, what? And then I told everybody around. Yeah. And everybody was so upset that they didn't recognize him, but they were also glad that he was Mm -hmm. able to be himself and and geek out and go around and talk to these artists and and people because you know he's the biggest star in the world, so Mm -hmm. everybody's gonna grab him, but he was able to be what we are. Yeah. And and the weird sort of thing is that that think about it, that that, that, uh, Mark Hamill one of the few people on the planet who got to benefit from COVID. Because, you know, you, you know, again, you put yes. on the mask and you get to be anonymous for a while. And, and again, he, he got to stand and talk with, with Bill Stout for 20 minutes without somebody, you know, being at his elbow. And, in fact, um, oh, I, I have uh, just a, a, a side story uh, to go with this. Um, Tom Nabby, uh, who's the, the original Tom Sawyer at Disneyland, and recently became a Disney legend. And so they do a Disney legend luncheon. And every year when they do the D23 Expo, they, they invite the legends to come to the presentation with the new legends that are installed. And so it turns out that Tom and his son are at Club 33. And they notice that while they're dining at Club 33 out ahead of the luncheon, 
or, or sorry, the, the formal presentation of the Disney Legend Awards, Mark Hamill is there. Uh. And it was one of these things where it's like, boy, I'd, I'd love to, to get to meet him. Or this is Tom's son. It's just, oh, my God, that's Mark Hamill right over there. And so we'll tell you what, you know, let, let's, after we finish our dinner, we'll go over. And so sure enough, Tom and his son, you know, finish their dinner and they walk over to Mark's table. And just, you know, Mr. Hamill, don't mean to interrupt your meal, but, you know, just that, that I'm Tom Nabby. I'm also a Disney legend. I was the original Tom Sawyer, and I know you're being installed. And I just wanted to say, you know, that Disney made a great choice inviting you to be a legend and hope you have a fun time tomorrow at the ceremony. And, and Mark opens like a flower because it's one of these things where it's like, didn't say Star Wars once. <laughs> and so, you know, well, no, let's sit and talk. And, you know, what is this ceremony like? I've never done this. And, and meanwhile, at one point, somebody actually comes up to the table and it's just sort of hovering and, oh, Mr. Hamill, I've loved you in Star Wars. And could I get a photo of your autograph? And, and Mark politely turns to this other person and says, well, I'm talking with my friend Tom here and his son. But after we finish our conversation, I'd be happy to, to, to take a photograph with you and sign that thing. But let me finish with Tom here. And it was like, and it was one of these things where it's like, it's like, he knew my name. We just got introduced and you know, he's treating me, you know, like, I don't know, hang on. I got to be respectful of my, my brand new friend here. So anyway, long story short, yeah. Mark Hamill, class act. He is more than a class act. He is, he is us. I mean, he, mm. he was a geek beforehand. There are mm. um, stories of him going to Worldcon and where mm. nobody knew who he was and he mm. knew everything about science fiction and what was going on and and mm. people don't even focus on that part of him as much as I mean the greatest Amer um, amazing stories were where he played the guy who collected all his oh, his junk yes. then ends up being worth a fortune that is a great episode of the. I, I I would argue that's probably autobiography the best. Yeah, <laughs> that, that. Well, no, no, no. I mean, that, that, I, 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 boy, we could spend hours talking about Spielberg's amazing story. Yeah. you know that the a you know again he wanted his Twilight Zone. It never quite came together, but there were a couple of really good episodes. There, each of them are worth watching, though. But oh, there no, are no, a couple no. of I, I really that, good ones. You know, amazing cast, some amazing effects work, particularly for television in the 80s. But anyway, folks, we are once again <laughs> off topic. So I am going to I'm, stay at Target. There we go. All right. So uh, also want to remind you, we have some other podcasts here that are worth listening to. We got Disney Dish with Lentesta, who you know, hopefully is getting back off that boat. Likewise, we have Marvel Us Disney. I do with Aaron Adams. And of course, we have fine tuning. I do with Drew Taylor tell you what if you could do brian and i a favor if you could head over to apple tv and rate and recommend uh the podcast you're listening to right now uh likewise if you really 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 like what you're listening to right now if you want to head over to bandcamp and subscribe uh that would be helpful and let's see Ooh, if i don't remind you to from a social media point of view to go over to uh, Twitter and Facebook where you can find us under Jim Hill Media and then over on Facebook we're actually Jim Hill Media News uh, if I don't say that Nancy hurts me please come back in two weeks because like Brian just said he's going to be at Comic Con so he can report back on on those, uh, you know, th th those panels we talked about at the top of the show, and hopefully we'll have gotten a chance to look at light magic in the meantime. But uh, meantime, thanks for listening, and we will be back soon. <laughs>